like baby's first book of gardening, um, reduce, reuse, and recycle, um, baby's first book of growing plants, all things to do at home. And they did really, really well during the pandemic. So the smart people at Duo Press decided the pandemic's over. The Terra babies need to go outside. Send the babies outside. Babies need to go outside. And they called us. They do. They called us. They said, Jeremy, (laughs) Stephanie, the babies need to go camping. If anybody knows how much the babies need to go camping, it's Jeremy and Stephanie. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. And Where Should We Camp Next? Budget Camping. This year, we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the RV Atlas podcast, which launched its very first episode in September of 2014. We hope you join us as we cover the best campgrounds, the best RVs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. Uh, (laughs) Did you know that it's the 10th anniversary of the RV Atlas podcast that we put out our first episode on September, I believe September 20th, 2014. Were you you aware? It's our 10th anniversary season. I was aware, but mostly because you told me. (laughs) I don't know if I would have seen the anniversary coming. (laughs) I had to check multiple times to make sure that I was actually right. My question for you is this. My first question. Do you have any memory or any memories of recording the first episode of the RV Atlas podcast almost 10 years ago? I mean, yes and no. Like, I remember being like, I remember like bullying you into it because I was the one who was like, we need a podcast. Nobody knew what a podcast was 10 years. You know, I mean, it was a very small segment of the population that listened to podcasts 10 years ago. Um, And I was like, oh, we have these people. They're asking us same things over and over again. They're emailing us like people want conversation. That's what podcasts are good for. And I taught podcasting in school to my students. So I was like, this is what we have to do. So I remember that whole thing. In terms of the actual content or episode, I remember nothing. Absolutely nothing. I I couldn't tell you. My guess would be so wild as to what we covered or talked about. I have no idea. Oh my gosh, that's funny because I went back and listened to the episode. I forgot. You haven't even gone back to listen to it yet. No, I have not listened to it. I get triggered by that kind of stuff. Like you're you you make fun of me because I don't even open our books. Well, it triggered like, me once a we little. Write, like, <laughs> well, okay. I don't well, like to look at stuff we've done. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't like to look back either. I'm a perfectionist and once it's done and I can't change it anymore, you know, I don't want to no, look. I, <laughs> I get it. And and here's the thing. I don't remember anything about recording that podcast. I mean, I've listened to oh, it. Oh, I remember sharing a microphone because we, we had shared a microphone. We had the one, um, a USB microphone, and you Yeti. could only have one, the Yeti, and you could only actually that microphone back there. Yeah, it's right behind you. Those just listening. I'm showing can't for say anybody. It. Yeah, you can't see it, but the the original microphone is behind me in the studio, and um, I remember that we had to share the blue yeti because you could only plug one into the computer yeah we didn't have that technology to have two microphones <laughs> i literally it is literally 
a blank. Like, I don't remember recording any of the first episodes. My one very strong memory of we were very busy parenting and we were very tired. Um, I, I know we recorded around the dining room table at night after the kids go yeah. to bed in a general yep. sense. But I have a very crystal clear memory of me sitting at the dining room table. We hadn't started the podcast yet, but I was sitting at the dining room table in our old house. And you walked into the room and you said very forcefully, well, if we're going to do a podcast, we need to start doing it now. There's no reason to keep waiting because we had been talking about it for months. And you finally, you walked in the room and basically declared, we are doing a podcast. I I remember that's what I said. Like I bullied you because I do remember. And I remember you being like, what, like, what are you crazy? Like, we're not just doing a podcast right now. And I was like, because I just know those kinds of things. Look, it's the same thing with the book. Do you remember how long it was between our first book and our second book? Because if you don't just say like you're doing it now, it just goes on forever, like talking about it. You have to start even if you're not prepared. And maybe that right. per- maybe that explains part of what I don't like about listening to the first episode. <laughs> I don't. You weren't prepared. I, I wasn't good at it. I didn't. I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I sounded like a stodgy college well, no professor. Well, no one listened to it probably, so that's fine. Well, I that's mean, how fu- many downloads Wait. do we have on the first episode? Oh, you, wow. just, you just brought back a memory. I remember checking the downloads on the first episode, on the very first episode, because I was wondering, is anybody listening? And I remember seeing like 375 downloads, and oh. I was like, <laughs> I was like, whoa. Whoa, whoa. yeah. Whoa. People listened. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, you another thing you didn't remember, okay. which cracks me up. And you edited and produced the podcast. Mm-hmm. Till four years ago, I did that. Yeah, you had a loop <laughs> of crickets playing in the background of the first episode no, that I forgot about. And I told you about it and you were like, you didn't believe me that there are crickets no, in the background. I have background. no recollection. I don't know where I found a crickets loop. I I have no idea about anything like that. I don't even know if I completely believe that that's true, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad, actually. It's it it, got, it sounds like we're outside around like right. Like I guess that that was the, the point, fire or something. Know? Yeah. Okay. No, it was it it was. And look, I was going to say this later in the show because we're going to play a classic clip at the end of the show. You were really good in that first episode, and I was not. I was not good in that first episode. And I'm almost surprised you wanted to keep doing it with me because I was like, I'm, it's painful for me to listen yeah. to myself. Yeah. And well, here we are 10 years pain. later. I know. Here we are. It's all, here we are 10 years later. It's always painful for me to listen to myself. I hate when you listen to our podcast, like without headphones in, what do I do? It drives you crazy that I actually yeah. listen to, I listen to every well, episode of the RV Atlas after Okay, it comes I used out. to do, I mean, for what, for six years, I, I edited the podcast and produced the podcast up until I took a full-time job four years ago. Um, and I, so obviously I did listen to every single episode as I was editing and producing it. But now when you're doing that and I don't have to anymore, when you're doing it, I'm like, put headphones in. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't listen to the podcast to like make sure it, like sounds okay. Like I'm actually one of our podcast listeners. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, adorable. oh, this, yeah, like this is a good show. <laughs> All right, okay. we're gonna do four things in today's kickoff episode, and this is not our tenth anniversary episode. This is our tenth anniversary season of the podcast. Okay, we're gonna be kind of celebrating the tenth anniversary all year long, 
as we lead up to the actual anniversary on September 20th, 2024. But on today's episode, we have four segments. Uh, First segment in a second, we're just going to kind of give you an overview of what we're going to be up to this season, some changes, et cetera, et cetera. Second segment, we're going to give you some RV Atlas updates. We're really not that interesting anymore. Okay. Um, But we're going to give (laughs) you. We ever were. (laughs) We've never been those superstar RV. Yeah, no. Hopefully, we're not the center of the universe on our podcast. That's not the point. It's not the point, but we'll give you there's some updates, some things we're doing. I mean, Stephanie's up to some really cool new things that might interest a lot of you. And then in the third segment, we're going to come back and start talking about RV and camping trends, because this is the time of year where a lot of companies are putting out their camping and RVing trend reports, and they're super interesting. So we're going to talk about some trends from the DIRT, uh, the DIRT's report, uh, KOA's report. Then we'll come back, talk a little bit about trends from Camp Spot's report and RV Shares report. So let's come back in a second. We'll give you some updates about this podcast and what we're going to be doing this season. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Spacious Skies Campgrounds and a huge welcome to Spacious Skies Campgrounds. Um, This is their first episode as a sponsor of the RV Atlas podcast, and we're thrilled to have them. Take your indoors outdoors with Spacious Skies Campgrounds, a collection of 15 campgrounds and RV parks spanning the eastern United States. Each location is unique, but all offer the perfect escape to the great outdoors. Whether you are looking for a relaxing weekend getaway, a full week's vacation, or a beautiful seasonal site, we welcome and invite all campers to camp on with Spacious Skies Campgrounds. Choose from RV sites, cabins, yurts, retro RV rentals, or tent sites, and enjoy on-site amenities that offer convenience, creature comforts, and fun. Also make sure to check out Spacious Skies Campground's Cosmic Camper Loyalty Program for 12% off all reservations and exclusive deals. Spacious Skies Campgrounds also invites you to join them for a winter camping getaway with eight campgrounds that are open year-round, including locations in New Hampshire, New Jersey, Virginia, North and South Carolina, and Tennessee and Georgia. Whether you are a lifelong camper or new to nature, plan your next outdoor adventure with Spacious Skies Campgrounds. Visit them at SpaciousSkiesCampgrounds.com for more information and easy online booking. That's SpaciousSkiesCampgrounds.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is the 10th anniversary season of the RV Atlas. I have Stephanie here with us. And in this uh, quick segment, we just wanted to give you an overview of what we're going to do this season. So we have scheduled, believe it or not, about 52 episodes of the RV Atlas podcast coming up between now and next December. Uh, Sometimes it'll be once a week and sometimes it'll be twice a week. Uh, Looking to release the podcast on Friday and Saturday though I might change the Saturday, okay? But definitely one every Friday. And then the weeks where there's two podcasts a week, I'm still figuring out what date will work best with Sean, the podcast editor. I want to play some classic clips from the first few seasons at the end of certain shows where it fits. So like when we have Carrie Cox on for her first episode, you know, as a correspondent, I want to go back and find the first Carrie Cox episode and play you a classic clip. And maybe everyone will be embarrassed by their first appearance, like <laughs> like I was. Though I remember Carrie being good right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we had very few duds. No, and that's why so, you know, like, I, we have correspondents that have 
been it, coming on the been podcast on for a decade. For 10 years. It's true. It's true. And I'm so, I'm so grateful and so thankful mm-hmm. for those correspondence. We're going to have some new correspondence this year. I'm working through getting some really awesome new people on the show. So there'll be some new voices. And thematically, we'll be looking back a little bit with these classic clips, talking about 10 years of the RV Atlas. But I want to look ahead. And I want to look into the, the present moment. And I really want to focus on what's good in the RV industry right now, what's good in the camping industry right now. And Stephanie, tell me if you agree. I feel like there's like a lot of been a lot of negative mojo in the air about RVing and camping during the pandemic and in the aftermath of the pandemic in terms of high RV prices, mm-hmm. RV quality issues, all the campgrounds being booked, um, which was a little... You know, that was hard for me because like, I love these two industries. I love this space. And our first eight or nine years of RVing were just filled with joy for me. But though I do feel like there's been some negative energy. So I want the RV Atlas podcast in 2024 to focus on all of the good things that are out there. Because I think there are so many good things out there in both of these industries. Well, yeah. In honor of our 10th anniversary, to be... Quite frank, that's what we've done from the beginning. And if you listen to some of those early episodes, we explained our ethos about this. It wasn't that we never stay at a campground that we don't like or that we have or we never eat at a restaurant that we don't like. But very early on, we realized like you can, first of all, most people only give bad reviews, right? There's a whole bunch of people that the only time they ever go on a review website is when they've had a bad experience and they want to complain about it. There's plenty of that energy out there in the world. And we realized that like it was kind of stupid to waste energy and airtime telling people how bad something was. Like instead, give a recommendation. It wasn't that we're being Pollyannish. It's not like we're like, everything's great. It's perfect. It's that there are a lot of good things. There are a lot of great campgrounds. So let's just talk about the things that we recommend. So very early on, we had an agreement, like we had a discussion about this. We decided we were going to be a recommendation platform, not really a review platform, right? So if you had something to recommend, even our correspondents tell us your favorite places to go, your favorite campgrounds. So, you know, I think that carrying that on through. It's not just so everybody's clear. It's not that we don't think there are ways for, you know, campgrounds to improve or RVs to improve. And I've got a lot to say about why the RV industry, you know, behaved the way it behaved over the pandemic. (laughs) Like, it's not like we don't have thoughts on this. And it's not like we don't talk to people who are in the industry about our really honest thoughts about this. Um, It's just that that's not what we feel y'all come here for. Like we feel like you come here to hear what we would recommend and how you can build a great vacation, right? Not like how you can avoid a bad one. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's been our ethos all along. So it's right to just kind of put the flag in the, you know, in the dirt and say, that's where we stand. Yeah. And I just think that there are companies building great RVs that people are happy about and and are good quality. And I want to give them some airtime. And there are mm-hmm. obviously so many great campgrounds. I want to give them some airtime. I want to talk about them. And again, I do find it boring to say, we went to this campground and it was really bad. And bad. let's talk. And hear all the reasons that it's bad. Well, yeah, it's the end so of the conversation then, because you, you just, who needs right. to listen to the podcast? You're just not going right. to go. Yeah. Uh, and I don't find that content that interesting. When I get on and say, this campground is amazing. 
and here's all the things to expect and here's how to plan your trip here, then, then the content becomes incredibly valuable to people because they're planning their trips around it. So we want to focus on what is good, what is mm -hmm. best. We ended the last season with a, an interview with uh, Intech, which is a company that has a, a great reputation for building quality RVs. I've been wanting to interview them for years. We're going to have all of our travel trailers on the podcast soon. Um, we're going we're gonna to highlight things that we think are great right now in the RV and camping space. Of course, tons of campground reviews. You people love your campground reviews, right? We, we know that like this podcast has kind of become known for that. I, Stephanie, I missed the campground of the week podcast. You know, we made a decision to well, kind of it, fold them together, but I do miss that concept. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. Like, just have the episode as the campground of the week on the RV Atlas. Because the problem was we split it into two separate um, podcasts. And then it was so bizarre because when we do a campground review on the RV Atlas, it's our highest downloaded type of podcast. But when it was a separate podcast under a separate name, they were a lower amount of downloads. So less people were hearing the campground reviews. It was still a successful podcast, but it was just like, you know what, what's the point? Like, just do it on the main podcast feed and people only have to subscribe to one feed. So, I mean, you could call it if you wanted <laughs> campground of the week, you know, for one of your episodes, but it's still the same thing. Campground reviews continue to get the most downloads. Mostly when no, it, we, it's true. Yeah. It's over and over last, again, when we feature yeah. them, some and some campgrounds that you, it's not like just Fort Wilderness or just like Yellowstone no, campgrounds. Really, it's like, <laughs> there are some campgrounds that are like, how on earth is this the top ranked episode? This is like a state park in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but that's what you people want to, you that's what that's you what they want to discover. And, and we're all about giving the people what they want. <laughs> and, and you can still. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stephanie. You can still yeah. find the Campground of the Week podcast in yes. iTunes or wherever you get. You can go back yeah, and listen to it. Yeah, I haven't to. looked like totally normally, but we've kept the um the feed open. We pay for the hosting of it and everything. So all of the episodes. And for a while, I, um, I was having you click the button so that campground they still show reviews, up on our website. Right. Would still show up under that. And still be published as campground of the week. Mm-hmm. So we it's kind of easy. It's basically, uh, yeah, I think everybody's like, well, uh, but you know, that was the whole point is if someone was still in that feed, they'd be like, oh, a new campground review, but whatever. You can find them. We're still doing them. <laughs> yes. Now we're also going to do a new type of episode um, throughout the season. Um, and these are going to be kind of question and answer type episodes. And Stephanie's wanted to do this for a really long time. Stephanie listens to a lot of podcasts. You're, you're sort of a devoted podcast listener. And a lot of, I think, podcasters that you like do Q&A episodes. And we're going to link them to the RV Atlas group on Facebook. So, Stephanie, will you explain the concept there? Yeah, I think that um, all week long, there's just tons of really of posts that appear in our Facebook group that would be really valuable to have a conversation about, right? Like Facebook is a certain platform, you can love it or hate it. But the bottom line is that a lot of people, even members of the group are probably not seeing a lot of the posts, right? Like that's the nature of Facebook. You don't even know that this question was asked, you know? And then a lot of people don't take the time. Facebook is hard. Like you just like write a quick answer or, and sometimes this is what I'm guilty of. Sometimes if it's a really good question and it deserves like a good answer, <laughs> you don't have time at the time you say it to like write an answer and you just scroll by and you're like, oh, I'll go back. But you don't. And I just thought, you know, there's such 
good questions asked in our Facebook group. Like, what if we really took the time to answer them right on the podcast and to talk about our thoughts on them, you know, based on our 15 years of RVing experience. So I think that would be something that, yes, I personally love my podcast that um, do respond to questions that are written in or that have people come on the show and ask questions, right? Like I like those. Um, and I think we should try to incorporate it. Yeah, I love it. And so if you're not in the RV Atlas group on Facebook, please ask to join. It's a private group, couple questions to get in. Um, if you are in the RV Atlas group, as so many of you are, it's a really great base of support for the RV Atlas. Don't be, you know, ask your questions and, and, and mm-hmm. post your family photos of your trips and, you know, just just enjoy the group as much as possible. But if you have questions for us, uh, please ask them and maybe they'll find their way onto the podcast. Um, before we move into the next segment, I just I just want to say that I'm really thankful mm-hmm. that our podcast has survived and thrived for 10 years. I, I'm really filled with gratitude. Uh First, for everyone that's listened. I mean, if no one listened, we wouldn't be doing it. And I really appreciate, and so many of you out there listening have been listening for 10 years. It's really awesome. Uh, And then, of course, people cycle in and out of podcasts, too, depending on where they're at with the RV lifestyle. And I think that's great because, yeah, yeah, I... I always say to Jeremy, we need to focus more on the fact that there's a lot of people listening right now that didn't listen, you know, for the first eight years or whatever. And that's the nature, right? When you're buying a house, you listen to real estate stuff, you know, or you watch real estate stuff. When you're having a baby like, or like all the parenting baby stuff, like it's okay to go through different seasons of life. And it's okay that some people that were like huge hardcore fans at the beginning, prop like maybe moved on and their kids grew up maybe and they got into a season that they couldn't RV enough. That's no, not personal. I mean, I'm like, great. We gave you, we were there for you when you needed that content. And now there's a bunch of new people listening that never heard some of those early episodes. I think it's all good. Like there is, I just love the fact that we were there when somebody pressed play, you know, over the course of a decade. Stephanie, I have to say though, people come back. You know, like, right. you know, we're, we have high schoolers. <laughs> That's crazy to say. Um, a lot of people have a hard time getting out in the RV through those years of having high schoolers and, and they drift away from reading RV content and listening to RV podcasts. But now I'm actually starting to see people come back mm-hmm. into the group because their kids are in college and now they're back in the RV again and they're traveling yeah. as a couple or whatever it might be. So yeah. if Seasons you were there at the beginning and you disappeared for a while <laughs> and you came back, welcome back. I'm also, I'm so thankful to all of the correspondents that come on this show. Um, it enables us to get content from all over the country, from places that we haven't been or places we haven't been to in a long time. Uh, it allows us to talk to people whose kind of RV setup is different, who have different mm-hmm. rigs or different family combinations. It, it really broadens the perspective of what the RV Atlas is to have. Carrie Cox, Casita Dean May, Gretchen from Boxy Colonial on the road, uh, all these amazing correspondents. And, and in the last few years, some really great new correspondents. So if you're listening and you're one of the people that you come on the show, we, we really appreciate you so much. I can't wait to have you all back on the season. And also, I'm really thankful for any company that's ever sponsored the podcast. And, you know, that's part of how we've endured. You know, no one is going to do a podcast for 10 years. 
uh, without that support from our, our sponsors. So if, if you're listening. Well, yeah, because it's a time. It's a lot. That's what I think that sometimes like it's not really something that's a good hobby when you have kids because, you know, it is hours and hours and hours every week to put out a podcast that's of any quality at all. So if we weren't able to do that as part of our work, you know, it would have, we wouldn't have been able to do it, right? I would have said, oh, well, should I spend time at my kid's basketball game or wrestling match or should I make a podcast, right? But this is our work day. And I think that's really awesome that people in the industry have valued speaking to um, consumers on our platform. Yeah, so if you're listening and when you hear those ads come up, just check those companies out. They're great companies. And that's been another you know, really awesome part about the RV Atlas is that we were able to choose who we work with. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for that. You know, we, we've said no to a lot of people because we don't believe in their products or we don't believe in their campgrounds or we don't believe in whatever it is. And if somebody's got an ad on this show, it's because we legitimately in our hearts mm-hmm. believe they are either selling a good product or building great campgrounds, whatever it might be. Um, so just give them, you know, give them a fair chance. Check them out. They're worth your time to check out. Um, all right. So we're going to come back in a second now and we're going to do some RV Atlas updates. Just some, some some things that Stephanie's got going on, some things that I've got going on, just kind of catching up with our audience. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends <laughs> at RV Share. With over 4 million nights booked and thousands of five-star reviews from happy customers, RV Share is America's number one RV rental site. With a wide-ranging inventory from affordable pop-up campers to luxury motorhomes, RV Share has a rental that is perfect for you. Whether you are looking for a pet-friendly RV or an RV that can be delivered directly to your campsite, RV Share makes the entire rental process simple and fun. Each booking on RV Share also includes 24-7 roadside assistance for the ultimate peace of mind on the road. No matter where the open road is taking you, get ready to use your outside voice because as soon as you step inside your RV rental, the adventure begins. Book your RV now for the solar eclipse this April and make sure to check out RV Share's total solar eclipse RV guide on RVShare.com. This landing page has great resources like Solar Eclipse packing tips and lists, Solar Eclipse family activities, and links to rentals in each state in the path of totality. Check out RVShare.com to find out more and use promo code RVATLAS30 for $30 off a booking of $500 or more. That's RVShare.com and promo code RVATLAS30 for $30 off a booking of $500 or more. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am here with my co-host and the true creator of the RV Atlas podcast, as you just kind of found out that Stephanie uh, kind of threw me into the arena here as a podcaster 10 years ago. Um, And we're just going to give you some RV Atlas updates, just some things that are going on professionally with Stephanie, with me, some things that are of interest to you. We won't belabor any of this too long before we get into some RV trends and updates. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about, Stephanie, was every summer we go on big trips and we do great podcasts about them. I love those podcasts, you know, where we mm-hmm. go to Yellowstone and we come back and we report on Yellowstone, you know, and uh, people really plan their trips with those podcasts. And we get a lot of really nice emails saying, oh, man, your Glacier podcasts really like yeah. helped me plan my trip. And that Glacier is, definitely- is con- Glacier podcasts are the gift they keep giving for people, apparently. 
I think that we've really helped a lot of people plan these highly complex trips to major national parks and other places. But last summer, we didn't do that. You know, we went to Utah, we went to Colorado, we did big national park trips, and then we didn't do the podcasts about them. And I got a lot of emails like, well, because people saw some (laughs) pictures on social media. Because people see it on social media. Yeah. And then they're They're like, like, oh, when's the stuff coming out? When's the Zion (laughs) podcast, Jeremy? When's the Grand Junction, Colorado? And I, I do. Well, I also didn't explain why, um, but now I can. So last summer, I worked with Good Housekeeping magazine as uh, one of their evaluators uh, for their family travel awards. So I actually went to a bunch of different locations around the country with my family, and sometimes without evaluating campgrounds and and properties, glamping sites, and actually some hotels that were near campgrounds for good housekeeping. During that process, it's all completely hush-hush. You don't talk about it. You don't post about it. And then I can't, I can't evaluate um, Auto Camp Zion, which we went to, on the RV Atlas podcast because I was there evaluating it for good housekeeping. It was their content. Well, yeah, you can't do that and in advance the awards of the out. award. Right, yeah. right, yeah. So the, their, their huge family awards package came out. It's in the Actually, it's in Good Housekeeping magazine this month, and it's online this month. Um, and now this season, we can I can go back and we can review some of those places and do some of the content. But it's it's definitely not the way we've done things in the past. <laughs> and hopefully, I'll be I'll be doing that again. So this is a really cool thing that I slash we got to do last summer um, that you know, came out of the RV Atlas podcast in our books. You know, like I never in a million years thought I'd be. Working with Good Housekeeping magazine as a, a travel judge slash I don't think that you're their demographic, but I, I think actually, you are. But just people may not expect you to be. <laughs> I totally read Good Housekeeping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you are totally. the <laughs> So that's one thing. Now Stephanie's got some really big news, like really big career news. Um, so Stephanie, I want you to tell everybody about your new venture. Um. As a co-founder of a startup called Park Vendor Review, and I was just on the website, and it's beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm very proud and like amazed at what you're doing at Park Vendor Review. And I just I just thought you know give the RV Atlas peeps an update because we get the emails all the time. Where's uh, Stephanie? Uh, yeah, I know. I what know. is she doing? Why isn't she on the podcast? Well, sometimes people just say like, where's Stephanie? And I'm, I want to say like, she's here, you know, but what people mean by that is why isn't she on that, the podcast as much? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's been like rumors <laughs> over oh, the years. You, we, like, we, people probably like think we, we got divorced given, or something. Yeah, it's not like we haven't given an explanation. It's just people, I think that. It like no matter I didn't want you know it's not like we talk about our like we really do like to stay very focused on giving RV and camping content on this podcast so it's not like you know we're talking all the time about what goes on in, in the other areas of our life but it's true that more than four years ago I went to work full time for road trippers and it was a very full time job and I moved up um, there to be to oversee many brands, not just, I went it to road trippers. And at the end I had four different brands, um, under my portfolio of, you know, overseeing the content and the content strategy. Um, and my job, you know, it wasn't, it's, it wasn't one of those jobs that lend it to one side hustle, but 
much us more, but like it, there, we did have side, you know, we were still doing books during that time, you know, so, so it was just, um, it really is a matter of time in terms of like, it takes, like I said, hours to plan and to record and like, to do you, had a, you had an incredibly busy Mm-hmm. High level corporate career. Yeah. You know, I was very much embedded in corporate, and that means Zoom calls all day and everything like that. So that was my life. And, you know, I said to Jeremy very early on in that, like, I know that you love this podcast. I know that you're committed to it, that you want this to, you know, live on. And I was like, you're going to have to find a way because at 10 o'clock at night, you know, is it, it, recording a podcast. And everybody needs to also know we went through the pandemic during that time period. I was working full-time. Kids are at home. It was, you know, it, it's been a bit of a four years. Well, and we record, we were recording at 10 o'clock at night for the entire first five years yeah. of the RV Atlas. And there's only so long yeah. that it, it can be that way. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, so it's not that I was like, oh, you know, whatever it's, it, that is, that is the answer. And I know we had explained that a few times that I think that people kind of <laughs> were always like suspicious that something else was going on. It was really like Stephanie has a, a time and a half kind of a job right now. Right. Well, and and, the, and boy, we can't emphasize enough. You were co-writing. Yeah. We've published and doing five the books. books. Yeah. Like you had a yeah, corporate we had career VP level yeah. and we're publishing a book a year. Like, yeah. You can only work so hard. You I know? had to set boundaries and be like, look, my creative energy is really low. I can't do more. Right. And that's okay. So anyway, the good news is, is that my energy was so low by the end of that four years in corporate. Um, and, you know, I think that we mentioned this at the end of the last podcast season when I came on, but I did leave Road Pass in September um, and I'm in some ways busier than ever because unfortunately that's just the nature of myself is now I'm, (laughs) I'm involved in a startup. As Jeremy said, I had a lot of opportunities that were there for me and I'm not good at saying no to what I think are really great opportunities. Um, so I am right now the, um, I guess my title, right, is VP of content and partnerships at Park Vendor Review. Um, our official launch was just this month where we um, really launched publicly to campground owners. This is not something that is for the campground users, consumers. This is for campground owners. Um, It's a free platform for campground owners where they can rate review vendors that they use for their business. So this is about rating the people that they use for their reservation system, the people they use for their Wi-Fi systems, their laundry systems, Everything, their picnic tables, their um, metering, their their electric metering, right? Campground owners use a lot of different vendors to provide services, and they don't really have a dedicated platform besides Facebook and groups where they sit there and they ask people, who do you use? So this is about basically creating, like think cars.com, right, for the car consumer. This is about creating this rating and reviewing website for campground owners to go on and search for vendors and see what experiences others have had. Um, and I'm, of course, on the content side of things because we want this to be a really valuable platform for campground owners and really authentic and editorial and helpful. So it's a fun project. Um, as part of my initiative, one of my first things that I did was release a podcast called Campground Confidential. And it is for campground owners, um, stories of other campground owners, 
um, and also experts in the space. Um, so I, the third episode, that's really new. The third episode of that is coming out on Monday. Um, it's not just for campground owners. I have to say to all of our podcast <laughs> listeners. Like, well, we have yeah. some campground owners as podcast listeners, maybe, I think. Yeah, but I think I do. Look, I, and I'm not <laughs> saying that everyone who listens to the RV Atlas is going to want to listen to Campground Confidential. I really actually believe a lot of people will like it because you're interviewing campground owners about running a campground, what their campground is like, mm -hmm. what features and amenities they have. Like your interview with Dan and Aaron theme from the in-town campground, like if an RV Atlas podcast listener jumped over and listened to that podcast they would be totally into it now like yeah. i know you might you might do an episode on like 10 tips for how to deal with insurance claims i don't know you know like something like that our listeners might like that might not be for them but when you're interviewing campground yeah. owners which is most of the episodes i actually think a lot of our listeners would enjoy that so i would say subscribe to campground confidential it's a good show okay yeah thank you thank you for that plug subscribe yes i would love that <laughs> If you help get our little, our little startup podcast off the ground. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm over there doing. Um, and again, super, um, like super big lift on that. Um, but at the same time, I also had the opportunity because I've also explained before, it was very difficult to be on the podcast when I had to be so careful. You all know me. I am very honest. If you've been listening to this podcast for any given time, I do not blow smoke. I am a I and I that's why we take podcast sponsors that we believe in because we do not lie. <laughs> and it was very difficult for me to come on the podcast when I had so many conflicts of interest working for a company that was majority owned by Thor. You know, there was just so many conflicts I had to navigate and sometimes and it was just easier to be like, you know what, Jer? Do it without me. <laughs> So now I'm free of that too, which is really nice. Yay. <laughs> and I'm just so impressed by the the website. Uh, I mean, I, I went to the Park Vendor Review blog and it's like, wow, this is amazing, you know? And uh, and look, you have a reputation as one of the best content creators in the RV industry. So good luck to you with Park Vendor well, I'm Review. I'm back to writing blog posts over there. <laughs> That's that's the thing about a startup, right? I was I was at a corporate where I signed out everything for years and now I'm back in the trenches. So oh, it's good for change. you. It's good to stay humble. All right. There's a lot of book updates. And I think that, you know, people who are like, well, why do you take a break in the winter? Or why doesn't the podcast come out three weeks anymore? You know, there's this there's this whole separate sub career of publishing books. So there's actually some big news there. Uh, a lot of you know that where should we camp next? Budget Camping is coming out Tuesday, April 2nd. It's the thickest, juiciest, where should we camp next book. It features over 330 campgrounds, back to the 50-state model, and they are all campgrounds that are affordable. Uh, a lot of state parks, a lot of county parks, a lot of Army Corps of Engineers, a lot of National Forest campgrounds, some national park campgrounds because we just did a whole book on national yeah. park campgrounds, but the obvious ones we put in, there's a lot of mom and pop campgrounds that have stayed affordable. And I really wanted to highlight those. Stephanie and I both really wanted those in this book, those campgrounds that did not jack up their prices through the roof, but stayed reasonable. So there's a lot of mom and pop campgrounds in there as well. I'm super excited about the launch of this book. So that's the first thing. Then in the fall, there will be another 
Where should we camp next, Buck? Stephanie, will you take over and tell everybody about this one? And this is literally well, the first announcement. This is the first announcement. I actually I texted our yeah. publisher last night and said, can we talk about this? And they said, yes. Yeah, because usually we wait till we have a cover to announce. And I don't yet have the cover. But it's not a book, people. It is a journal. The Where Should We Camp Next camping journal is coming holiday 2024 october 2024 Woo. everyone's gonna want one for christmas and hanukkah Everyone. see all the good st- all the good stuff that can happen when you leave corporate camping but it's journal. not just blank pages people no it's not it is just blank not. pages and that's the reason why it didn't exist before now is because we knew that it had to be more it had to be more on our brand and full of really nice stuff and really engaging stuff we weren't just gonna you know sell you blank pages with a bunch of lines in it and say, hey, right, you know? So it's it's really nice. I'm excited. Coming fall 2024. Fall I, 2024. That's, but that's not it. There's more book No, there's more. And this is, I mean, I'm, I'm almost about to say this, like, and I don't even believe it. We, Stephanie and I, have signed two contracts for two children's books. And we could not be happier and more thrilled and excited to be moving into the children's book category. I think it's something we have both wanted to do for a long, 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 long time. Now, our publisher, Sourcebooks, has a division called Duo Press that publishes children's books. And they're very successful, very awesome, major publisher of children's books. They had a series that came out kind of through the pandemic years, called Terra Babies, Terra Babies at Home. And there are four children's books, children's board books, like Baby's First Book of Gardening, um, Reduce, Reuse, and Recycle, um, Baby's First Book of Growing Plants, all things to do at home. And they did really, really well during the pandemic. So the smart people at Duo Press decided the pandemic's over. The Terra babies need to go outside. Send the babies outside. Babies need to go outside. And they called us. They do. They called us. They said, Jeremy, (laughs) Stephanie, the babies need to go camping. If anybody knows how much the babies need to go camping, it's Jeremy and Stephanie. (laughs) And and they said, also, they didn't just say one book. They said the babies need to go hiking. Mm -hmm. And And then I'm talking to... This editor right. at Duo Press, and I'm like, well, what about this? What about this? I'm throwing yeah. them all these ideas for the, the Terra Babies and what the they babies. can do outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, our amazing, talented editor said, Jeremy, once the babies are outside, they can do almost anything. <laughs> so we're bringing you our Except first build two. A fire. There's probably not going to be a Terra yeah, Babies I build don't. a fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, well, let's. Okay. You're probably right about that. <laughs> Terra, Terra Babies whittle wood. <laughs> these will come out in the summer of 2025 and they will be beautiful okay so enough about us i had some yeah. other things Please. but th- i'm tired enough we get sick of talking us. about it we and do it every it, once in a while and then i'm like enough of that nonsense. but we're actually not joking that's part of the <gasps> brand not. other people can be fabulous um but the, the <laughs> other the other things i had on the list i'll share in upcoming episodes let's come back in a second And let's dive into just some major trends in the RV and camping industries from these major trend reports by KOA, RV Share, The Dirt, and Camp Spot. But before we dive into those trends, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Harvest Hosts. 
and a huge welcome to our friends at Harvest Hosts. It is their first time sponsoring the RV Atlas show. And I love Harvest Hosts. All right. That's I love why they're them. a sponsor. That's why we love them. Here. All right. We'll be Great back. Great product. Second. With overnight RV camping at over 5,099 farms, wineries, breweries, attractions, and more, Harvest Hosts is America's largest and most fun RV camping membership program. And because it only costs $99 per year, a Harvest Host membership is also an incredible value. Members with self-contained RVs can enjoy a wine tasting, feed alpacas, purchase some fresh farm produce, and more all while enjoying an unforgettable overnight stay. Spend the night at a museum, wake up to beautiful vineyards, visit unique attractions, or enjoy a local brewery. With thousands of locations, there is something for everyone to enjoy, all with no camping fees. In return, members are asked to support their hosts by purchasing one of their local products with each stay. Looking for a last-minute booking for the solar eclipse in April? Harvest Host opens reservations 90 days in advance and is a great option for those looking for a stellar experience. Visit HarvestHost.com and use promo code ECLIPSE24 to save 20% off of your annual membership today. That's HarvestHost.com and promo code ECLIPSE24 to save 20% off on your annual membership today. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am here with my co-host, Stephanie, and we are going to talk some camping trends, some trends in the RV industry that are pulled from these reports. And these reports go into all kinds of trends, but we're just going to kind of pull a couple things from each one at the most, just to kind of get a sense of where RVing and camping are at right now. Now, the dirt is actually they're about to release their 2024 camping report. But they released um, a press release like in December. And here's what they said. Okay, I'm just going to quote from the report because this is a a big trend right now. And we've been talking about it for 10 years. So -hmm. quoting from the report, from their research, The Dirt, the number one app for camping availability, photos and reviews, recently completed a survey of campers showing that nearly one third camped during the winter in 2023. Winter camping sharply increased by 40% between 2019 and 2021. And this new survey, which is going to come out, shows that the trend is not tapered off. So there has been major growth in winter camping. And we've been saying for 10 years that people want to take their RVs out more in the winter. Now, this survey includes both people that are RVing, people that are tent camping, and people that are glamping. So in terms of like, what is going on where all of a sudden People want to, you know, that's a 40% leap in two years. Why all of a sudden does everyone want to camp during the winter, Stephanie? What do you think? No, you have all of these like gear related things. That's not what's happening. Okay. Guess what? uh, Guess what else has 40% more people doing? Glamping? No. Working remotely? Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. So a a big thing driving the trend of just even not just winter camping, but shoulder seasons being extended is that so many people can now work from the campground. So they're just able to go on trips during times of the year where they wouldn't have necessarily taken a vacation, right? Are you going to take a week long vacation from your job in February? No, you are not, right? <laughs> like, unless you're going to the Caribbean island. So, you know, this is just something that I think has had, has been me. I think that the extension of the um, camping season has been majorly impacted 
by the rise of remote work. I also think that's why you see Toby, uh, you know, Toby Toby O'Rourke saying, um, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. She says, when she speaks, she says, uh, what I wish I could remember exactly what she says. But Wi-Fi she says, is an amenity is, now. It, she says it's not um, an amenity, it's infrastructure or something, like oh, something along right. those lines. It's like, like plumbing, point, it's like a bathroom. Yeah, no, that is really what she tries to to hit home with Camp Corners. I think mean, she's right. <laughs> she's like, this is not something special you're offering. This needs to be built into the fabric, you know, or the fiber. Haha, of your campground. I think she's right on that. If people want to keep this trend going in the future, for some people, saying uh, if a campground were to say we don't have Wi-Fi, that's almost like saying, well, we don't have sites, because for yeah, some but, people, like they're not going to go then. But for the older it, generation of RVer, you still see that kind of snarky. I don't go camping to sit on my computer or whatever, right? Like in Facebook groups, when you see people say, oh, is there a good Wi-Fi? They're like, how about you close your laptop and get out into nature? And there's people like us who are like, oh, or how about I'm able to travel to places I wouldn't be able to travel to and enjoy things I wouldn't be able to enjoy with my kids because I can log on and check my email in the morning and do something else at night. Like, if you want to do that, that's awesome. Like, don't let the haters hate, you know, that's ridiculous. That's a great point. I hadn't really been thinking that. That wasn't in the the Dirge press release so much, or at least not from what I remember. <laughs> what they did mention is that there is better tent camping gear for winter camping. Yeah. They talked about yeah. people heating their tents, which... Uh, I don't like you know, that, but whatever. I, yeah, yeah, I'm not... I'm I don't, not uh, I've never yeah. done that. No, um, and don't. <laughs> you didn't hear that here. <laughs> RV owners have RVs that are better mm-hmm. prepared for winter now. That is yeah. certainly part of this, is that there's more, air quotes, four-season campers or right. three-season campers. Also, I think a huge part of it's a rise in glamping. Okay? Mm-hmm. Glamping's exploded. And a lot of these glamping tents do have heat and air conditioning in them. Yeah. So people are glamping off-season. Now, I still think, despite this huge increase, in the Northeast here and in the Midwest, almost every single campground is closed. There are not a lot of people winter camping at all in the Northeast, yeah. in the Midwest. I think Well, this it's is- not that there aren't people that would want to winter camp. There's not a lot of options for it. Um, and the options, everybody knows about the one. You know, it's like, oh, Cherry Hill is open year round, right? Or it's like um, Old Mill Stream in Pennsylvania is open year round. Like people know the places that are because it's so very rare. Um, but the the campground owners that are on top of trends are making adjustments. So, for example, Spacious Skies, right? <laughs> they are mm-hmm. incredibly young brand paying very close attention to what the new generation of camper wants. And they're looking into winter camp, like year round pro- opening at as, at as many properties as they can. Yeah, they have, they have definitely a large handful of campgrounds open mm-hmm. through the winter. And they just announced a couple months ago that their New Jersey Spacious Skies campground is open all winter. And again, that's in response to consumer demand. My theory on this, though, is that a lot of campground owners for private campgrounds, just want to go on vacation in the winter. They know they can make money, but they also know that they have to take a break or they're, they're just not, they're going to be too exhausted. I just, I personally know campground owners that are on vacation right now. And then in terms of like, why aren't state parks and county parks open the campgrounds? Why aren't the campgrounds open in the Northeast and the Midwest? 
well, they don't have the profit motive to open. So if you're the superintendent yeah. of such and such state park in Maine, you know, take a break. <laughs> you know, you're going to be like, hey, we should keep, we want to work yeah. harder. Cause you know what? With state budgets, you're going to get paid more. Right. So like Delaware, well, Delaware is an example. Look at Delaware. They're open. Those and we always say they do things. Winter. Delaware is a great state park system. So winter Mm -hmm. camping is is increasing in popularity. Let's move on to KOA's 2023 North American Camping and Outdoor Hospitality Report. This is the big one. Okay, just to be fair, this is the one that gets the most publicity and and gets the the, the most buzz. All the other Uh, ones are chasing this one. (laughs) A little bit. Let's be fair. We'll be honest. We we were truth seekers, truth tellers. (laughs) One of the trends I want to talk about is right in the name of that report. Yeah. Because it, uh, in the six or seven years before this, or however many years they did it, it was called the North American Camping Report. Yep. This year, all of a sudden, it's called the North American Camping and Outdoor Hospitality Report. The other trend right there in the title is that outdoor hospitality is exploding in growth. RV sales right now are not exploding in growth. Okay, they did during the pandemic and they really came down. But glamping and other types of outdoor accommodations, cabins, et cetera, et cetera, the growth is massive, Stephanie. And of course, at Park Vendor Review, you're considering this is a big part of what you guys are all, all thinking oh, through sure. is, is oh, the growth yeah. here. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, look, th- there is an explosion of people camping for the first time through the pandemic years. And most of, many of those people had an, had a reaction that I think is a valid one. They thought, we love this campground thing, this way of traveling and of this, this sort of atmosphere of hospitality. And we don't like the RV slash tent experience, right? Bringing along the work that comes along with ownership of an RV or y'all know tent camping, the work that comes along with tent camping. Some of you, it's worth it. Fine. You're right. We think so. We own an RV. It's worth it to have our little custom mattress out there in the RV, right? And to have my um, cabinets full of all of the little things that I like and the little board games that we play and blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is that most people who did that, and I don't, I'm saying most, but it could be many, right? Because I forget if the actual percentage was over 50% of people that said, eh, on the returning, you know, to RVing um, after they were first time RV owners during the pandemic. Um, But I think that a lot of them were like, wow, a glamping accommodation is the perfect way to get the campground experience without the work, the investment of tenting or RVing. It's a no-brainer to me. We don't have to try and answer this question now, but I wonder if the explosion in glamping, okay, there is a 310% increase in short-term glamping rentals and a 290% increase in glamping brands over the last decade. I wonder if that explosion of interest in glamping rentals and the growth of glamping brands will put a damper on RV sales. And I don't know the answer to that question. Nobody knows the answer to that question, right? Is it is it the tide will lift all boats or something, you know, as the saying goes? Like, Well, that's what Toby O'Rourke would say. That's what she, she would say publicly, <laughs> right? Well, right. but I think that she would say, well, in their survey... 
like one in four people that stay in a cabin or a glamping accommodation at a campground that has RVs then are interested in buying an RV. Right. So it's a way to see the RV lifestyle. So if you Mm -hmm. go rent a glamping accommodation at a place that also has tons of RVs, apparently 25% of those people say, oh, I want an RV. Um, So hopefully it's, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. Now, the other major thing I want to talk about from KOA's data and research last year, which fascinates me, is about new campers. Mm -hmm. Okay, people that are camping for the first time in, in 2022, I guess the data was pulled from. Uh, their da- KOA's data says that 68% of new campers are unlikely to camp again or lukewarm to camp again. Mm-hmm. This is incredible to think about. So out of all the people new to camping that were surveyed, you know, we all talk about oh, so many new campers, so many new RV owners, so many people flooding the campgrounds. 68% of them may not return. Yeah. So two big thoughts, and I'll let Stephanie comment. Were they just really not cut out for camping, and they just tried it for the first time, and they want to go back to their cruise, and they're just not people that are going to like camping? Or were they really, really interested in camping and didn't like what they saw and experienced? Mm-hmm. And I, I really love, I love and respect the fact that Toby O'Rourke, the CEO, the CEO of KOA, is saying, we need to figure this out. We need to not shove this in the closet and ignore this data. We need to figure out what is wrong here jointly in RVing and camping where a lot of new people don't want to keep doing it. Yeah. So I saw Toby talk about this on stage um, at a conference I was at this fall. And um, I was really pleased to see someone um, really there's a lot of rah, rah, re, re, right. In the RV and campground industry, you know, a lot of like, kind of everything's fine. <laughs> Even when sort of from us, like our perspective, like everything's not really fine right now. Um, and it was really refreshing to see someone on a stage in front of hundreds of people, um, hold the industry accountable for what they're going to do to grow. Right. So her point is, is, you know, if, if this many people are saying this, then if we want to grow, here's the low-hanging fruit, right? The low-hanging fruit is taking these people who actually went and making the experience such that they want to go again, right? Isn't it easier to take someone who's actually there already camping and have them repeat nights than it is to go find a new customer, right? And she's like, so stop saying you know, stop giving yourself excuses. That was really a lot of the messaging. It was like, you know, there, there's a lot of excuses out there in the campground and RVing space. Everybody like, it's like, oh, they don't, you know, the old school RVer was more willing to repair their RV. And well, like, okay. <laughs> like, Maybe, did, but new, new, the new generation might not tolerate Right. That. Like, stop complaining that the new generation of RVer doesn't want to repair their RV themselves. Like, or that's people, an absurd thing to complain about. <laughs> or people showed up to very high campground prices. Yes. And it yeah, didn't and meet they didn't their feel expectations. Like they the, right. They thought, hmm, this is a very common thing. They thought, hmm, this is the same price that I paid at this place, this hotel that I stayed at. And I did not get the same level of service. Um, So it's really, I think... If the campground industry is going to actually look at this and say, what can we do to make new campers have a better experience? Um, And Toby did offer definite ways to do that in her talk. She was talking about things like safety, 
and people feeling safe at different campgrounds. She was talking about things like accessibility and the campground industry being really behind on accessibility, things that people find in other hospitality. Like in um, a hotel, and, it's a given. Yes, exactly. Um, which I thought was a, more. Yeah. Um, and she was also talking about um, amenities, right? And that infrastructure, right? And people expecting certain things that they can find in other um, travel industry, you know, hospitality accommodations that they're not finding in the campground industry. Her her message was this is great because there's room for us to grow here, right? We can we can fix this. So the message was a very positive one, but we'll see um, how many in the campground industry really put their heads down and say how are we going to make new camp? How are we going to meet this new? Stop complaining about the new generation of camping, right? To be quite frank, I'm a little sick of that. Stop like and rise meet to their the occasions. Needs. Yeah, meet rise their to needs. the occasions. She also talked about the RV industry that a lot of people were frustrated with the experience of buying an RV. A lot of people are frustrated with the experience of getting an RV serviced, and you, you might not hold on to that customer. That customer that bought their first travel trailer might not turn into the customer that buys a fifth wheel and then a motor home and then a class B, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I like that Toby's saying to the entire industry, let's look at our problems. Let's fix those problems. Let's all succeed together. All right, we're going to come back in a second. We're going to talk about some key trends from the CampSpot report and the RV share report. Before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Camco. Camco is one of our favorite companies in the outdoor recreation industry. For more than 50 years, they have remained a trusted North Carolina-based manufacturer specializing in innovative products for the RV, marine, outdoor living, and outdoor recreation markets. You may know them best by their American-made Rhino sewer hoses, Taste Pure water filters, EvoFlex drinking water hoses, and TST toilet chemicals. But their lineup of products doesn't end there. Camco continues to deliver products that bridge the gap between you and your next great adventure. From portable grills and campfires to ease-lift hitches and power grip electrical adapters, they seem to be doing it all. There's a saying that if you own an RV, you are sure to own a Camco product or two. And it's true. We still use Camco products that we bought 12 years ago when we started RVing. This year, we are stocking up our new RV with go-to Camco products like their collapsible laundry basket and their life is better at the campsite dishes and mugs. Head to CampcoOutdoors.com to check out all of the cool stuff that Camco makes and get 10% off your entire order with our discount code RVATLAS10. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the very first episode of the 10th anniversary season of the RV Atlas podcast. We are talking about trends in the RV industry and trends in the camping industry. We are pulling our discussion points from four major reports that came out, surveys that came out this past fall. So now let's talk about the Camp Spot survey. And the Camp Spot survey was a bit shorter and it focused on relaxation. It focused on the fact that according to them, one in three campers feel very stressed or stressed <laughs> about economic uncertainty in the year ahead. And to quote the report, and nearly 70% of campers specifically are craving a sense of calm and relaxation on their trips in 2024. It's clear that people are craving relaxation in this survey and the RV share survey also had the same findings. Stephanie, everybody's stressed. Everybody wants to relax. And part of that is not going on these huge epic trips this year for some people. 
It'll be yeah. calmer, more relaxing camping trips. I, I think something that wasn't brought up a lot in the reporting on this was that this is in juxtaposition to the summer directly after COVID, right? There was this like pent up demand for fun, right? It was revenge travel, they called it. Yeah. Right. And so it was like, I haven't been able to do all these bucket list things for two years, maybe, or, you know, whatever. And so there was this real release of energy and people doing these major, big right, national parks, like it just really big trips. Um, and I do think after that sort of, you know, it's like a hangover. I think there's a little bit of a hangover, to be quite honest. Like people came out of the gate swinging and it was like, oh my gosh, I have to do all the things that I missed out on for this period of time. And then it was a little like, okay, I need to take a break, right? Like I need trip a planning. little, yeah, like I need People to- People are calling I just, it trip planning fatigue, that uh, RVers yeah. and campers are burned out. Going to Yellowstone or Glacier or Grand Canyon or whatever it may be requires an intensity of planning and purpose and planning ahead. Mm-hmm. That it seems like some people are burnt out on for this year. Yeah. Combined with the economy being a little weird, it seems like more people yeah. want to just chill around a campfire. Yeah. I I I I feel that vibe. I, like this did not surprise me. It was a hundred percent. It was like it passed the vibe check. I'll gotta be honest. It is totally past my vibe check. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't planned a big trip yet for summer 2024. You know, like we're well, keeping yeah. things. We will probably. We yeah, we know what we want to do, but whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll, well, keep that. we'll talk about that once we know. Right? Once, if we're once gonna we do know. It. I know. So but but I do want to say something about this is that we've got, you know, something coming around the corner again, like that. Pe- you said that people are stressed about the economy and that's true. Right. Inflation really had a negative impact on people feeling like their pocketbooks were so stressed. It's like, where's the money that I used to take vacations? Like, where did that go? That extra bit in my budget. Um, But then there's also, of course, the election fatigue and the political fatigue that we all feel already. And the election is like almost a year away, right? It's in the fall. So I will take this bully pulpit to say, like, just like, dude, like, leave it at home, right? Like, do not political flags and all that stuff at the campground. Bring it. it to the campground. Can we not bring it into the camping Facebook groups? Can we not? Okay. It I actually I know we can. I know we can leave it out of this stuff. Um, it's a matter of whether people will. I think the majority of people want that stuff. They want to relax at the campground. They do not want to feel it doesn't matter which side, quote unquote, you're on. Nobody wants to feel that divide at the campground. So just we're going to escape. We, we're camping yeah. to escape a lot of that stress in our lives and our families. I think the smarter campgrounds are saying you can't fly those political flags anyway. Yeah. Well, some of the because bigger it's ones. It's not good yeah. for our business and our business vibe. There's no point basically. to it. There's just no, right. The, it doesn't pass the vibe check. There's no point to it. It's a really recent occurrence. It never used to happen. So just let it go, people. It's not, a, it's not a campground topic. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, and so, so Camp Spot talks about different types of vacations you can go on, calmcations, to reduce stress. So they talk about water lust wellness vacations, right? And then they give you a link of awesome <laughs> campgrounds where you could go for a water. 
Water's relaxing. We know yes. this. We know. I love, that's my favorite thing to do is camp next to water. And it's very peaceful and relaxing. So I'll link to all these reports in the show notes. So if you want to see Camp Spot's lists of cool campgrounds for water lust wellness, I have water lust wellness. You have water lust wellness. Everybody, I think, has water lust okay, wellness. Okay, don't say that again. Move on. <laughs> I'm moving on. They also talk about fresh air, clear sky sanctuaries. How a lot of people, maybe particularly people that live in busy cities or busy urban areas, want the relaxation, the calmcation that you can get just from being and having fresh air and clear skies. Fresh air and clear skies and waterfront campsites, that's, that's my vibe check. Very I'm right calming. there. Yes. And also dark sky locations have really surged in popularity. I didn't know that, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, fa in fact, it, like search volume for those has gone up tremendously. In the last couple of years, people are much more interested in visiting dark sky places. It's going to be nifty having Stephanie around with all of the knowledge she is gleaning from her from her job at Park Vendor Review. That's no, that's well, not no, Park Vendor Review. You've your finger that's, on the pulse, girl. <laughs> that's yeah, that's road tripper stuff. That's my SEO job for road tripper. Right, we were doing on. dark sky stuff. Oh, that's true. You guys did a mm -hmm. lot of good content there. All right, let's move on to the RV share um, survey. And, and some of this is focused on like questions about renting RVs because it's RV share. Now, I actually hosted a panel about this survey with, it was a, a really awesome panel of industry experts, Toby O'Rourke from KOA, Alyssa Ravazio from HipCamp, John Gray, the CEO of RV share, and Sarah Smith from The Dirt. Really cool panel. I'll link to that in the show notes. This had some really cool trend stuff too. One of the big things in this report is about the solar eclipse and how like so many people want to see the solar eclipse. So 78% of Americans plan to see the solar eclipse, according to the survey. 53% are planning on traveling to do so. They're turning it into a vacation or an RV trip or whatever it might be. And during the panel, uh, John Gray joked and he said, like, we can't get 78% of Americans to agree on to agree. anything. Yeah, but that's, a, that's a ridiculous number, too, because, of course, people have to travel because the path of totality is not even like it's not even on the western part of the country. Right, right. So, like, we'll have I mean, I honestly think that the the travel statistics for that particular time period are going to be just unbelievable to see afterwards. Well, industry insiders are saying this will be we'll have an earlier start to the camping season this yeah. year because it's traditionally Memorial Day and the eclipse is in early April. Forgive me, I don't remember the exact date. I think the 8th. That sounds right. I, I think the 8th. So a lot of people are saying that a lot of the media, the publicity, the buzz, the excitement about camping is going to start much earlier this year and could springboard both the RV industry and the camping industries into spring and summer at an earlier date, which could mm -hmm. be good economically. For everybody. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the RV share panel also gets into some other, or the RV share survey also gets into some other cool things about um, renting RVs. 60% um, of RVs listed on RV share are now able to be able to be delivered and picked up. This number has increased dramatically. So in terms of people that are renting RVs, there has been a surge of interest from people who don't want to actually tow the RV if it's towable or drive the RV if it's drivable, they want to drive to the campground and have it set up 
and then leave yeah. and have it be picked up. And, you know, you rented Penny the pop-up I, camper, I don't know, six years ago, and you were doing pickups and drop-offs. Yes. And it was really, really, I was thinking of doing it. It was a pop-up. So it was like, I got to let somebody tow if they want to and they can. But I was really thinking of exclusively doing that. And I've said for a long time, this is the future of the share economy. And I really do believe that. I think that... um Younger generations like um, Z's we're seeing are really averse to owning things like this, right? That take up space, that need storage, right? They they're they're not in homes generally, not like homeowners generally. Ownership's an issue, right? Right. So, where do you so put I think that RV? this is very disruptive to um, RV ownership. But again, if the RV industry is smart, they're not going to look at this as a threat. They're not going to look at this as a bad thing. They'll embrace like you. If you look at what people want as a threat, that's bad business, right? Look at what people want and serve it. <laughs> so I really think this is the future of the share economy generationally. And I think that people are going to want to have RV experiences. They're going to want to have camping experiences. But what they're going to want to do is let somebody else take care of all the ownership, <laughs> the maintenance, whatever. And you know what? There's going to be a bunch of people who are willing to do that. And so like they're going to have the RVs and the people that are really going to win in this too. Well, first of all, I think people that are able to have the experience without the financial commitment, it's going to be great, right? But I think that people who live um, around like popular destinations or great campground locations, like say Myrtle Beach or whatever, like these people should take advantage of this growing market. Like this is a business. I had experience with this last, I rented a bunch of RVs for a photo shoot in Florida. Gosh, uh, almost two years ago now. And one of them, we had all these different kinds of RVs and one of them was a hybrid. And this guy had gone, he he was like, <laughs> in corporate. He had like retired. He was like, I went to the Florida RV show and he bought, I think something like five hybrid campers. Like that was where he figured his margins were best. He could rent to the most people. He could make them pet friendly, et cetera, et cetera. He bought like five and he had a fleet and he was consistently renting them out and delivering them to different event pieces, you know, everything. So I, I think if you're looking yeah, this is a, and let me tell you something, renting an RV is not passive income. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's work. Business. I mean, we know it's people, work. you run it like a business, it's work. And you have to be smart, smart, smart about your margins, where you make your money, your pricing, everything. But if you're interested, if you're in a location that has a lot of great campgrounds, a really popular destination or something, mm, I'd be on it. I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe people criticize me. I don't know. So many, I think, the younger generation, Gen Z, I, I don't know, like you said, that they're going to want to own as many things like RVs. I think that those who want to own an RV also may not want large RVs. We're moving towards EVs that are mm -hmm. certainly going to have a hard time towing 40-foot fifth wheels. It's not yeah. going to be possible for it's who knows not, how yeah, long. That, come on, yeah. Now, again, I'm not saying this is negative. I also think that maybe younger people just don't actually want to tow something large in the sense of just the work it is, the safety, all that stuff. I see a massive resurgence in tiny campers and smaller campers. And I think it's happening now because there are so many new and small and niche and independent manufacturers that are making tiny trailers, 13 foot, 14 foot, 15 foot many with rooftop tents on top. So you could still sleep for people, but in a much smaller package. 
So I'm I'm wondering if RV sizes, you know, they've gotten very big since we got into RVing 12 years ago. I'm wondering if we're going to see RV sizes get much smaller um, yeah, in the years we'll to come. We'll say. I mean, look, you know, if you want to know whether you're right or, right or not, keep your eye on the numbers, right? I'm not convinced because I think there's a higher turnover. With, I think that, yes, there's a lot of things about small RVs that are very appealing to people who want to get into the RV. But I also think there's a higher turnover because people get it and they go, oh, like, like we I knew that with one. the base, like base camps, right? Like people buy it because it's small and then they upgrade to a bigger Airstream. Like that's a very common phenomenon. So, you know, I don't know. I, once again, the, you know, the numbers don't lie. So we'll see. <laughs> RV share also notes that a lot of renters are not renting to go camping, quote unquote. There's a lot of people renting RVs for tailgating mm-hmm. and multi-day music festivals, which is kind of camping. I'm also thinking it would be really cool to rent an RV for a wedding or a big anniversary party or as a, you know, as a place to put on your on your property when you're having some big event, you know, where people yeah. can change. In general, get- Gen Z is just more experiential than lifestyle focused. That plays out across all industries, across every trend report, every study shows that they are, they are not going to commit so much at this point. Gener- you know, they change. They're not going to commit to a lifestyle as much as they love different experiences. And an RV can be a part of many different experiences, right? So we'll see how that plays out as they get older as they get more more disposable income, right? And we'll say millennials changed over the years as they got married and got jobs and right. So we'll see what happens with Gen Z. To your earlier point, I think I didn't used to believe you that this was an opportunity for the RV industry, but I think you've- (laughs) They don't believe me either. (laughs) Well, I thought it was sort of like a bad thing. And yeah, but now you're, you're, I think you've convinced me that if Gen Z is very experiential, and this huge number of people want to try RVs. Yeah. Um, and maybe a maybe slightly smaller number wants to buy RVs, but a huge number of people want to try RVs. That opens up all kinds of opportunities for people renting them, for campgrounds, buying fleets of them, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to note from this RV share survey, and there's all kinds of other stuff in it, is that they talk about EVs and how electric RVs are coming from companies like Lightship, Winnebago, and AeroBuild. And so RV Share is partnering with those companies to have those EVs available to rent because they want people to be able to try them before they buy them. So we had the guys from Lightship on the podcast, right? This sounds like an amazing RV that's going to be coming out in the next year or two. It's going to be over $100,000. And it's something new in the world. So there'll be a lot of people that are curious about it and might want to buy it. And RV Share saying, well, we're going to have some you can rent to try it out to see if you truly want to buy it. So I thought that that was super, super interesting. And RV Share saying that generally speaking, people are very positive about EVs. Of course, there's some negativity around it. There always is. Generally speaking, people are interested and positive about it and are curious about it. And they want to offer some of these for for rent, which I think is a really cool idea to get people's feet wet with something that's going to be brand new and very different. Yeah. I mean, it just introduces a different learning curve. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it and see what people's reaction is to it. All right, guys, 
uh, coming to the end of this episode, as promised, we are going to play a classic RV Atlas clip. We're not going to do this on every episode this season. We'll do it where it feels right and where it fits in. So we're going to play the first six or seven minutes of the very first episode of the RV Atlas. I sounded stodgy and like a college professor whose class you didn't want to take. And Stephanie sounds like cute and fun. And um, I, I'll I, just believe you because I probably won't listen to it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that I got better fast, but you started out good. Okay. Um, no, no, Stop. I'm serious. I'm serious. All right. So without further ado, let's go back 10, almost 10 years in the time machine and listen to the very first episode, the very first seven minutes of the very first episode of the RV Atlas, which was called RV Family Travel Atlas at the time, by the lively little campers mm. with crickets in the background. Oh, jeez. Yikes. All right. See you at the campground. We'll see you all at the campground. <laughs> so this week's feature topic is, well, us. We bought our first RV four years ago when the boys, our twin boys, were about one. Now we spend 40 to 50 nights a year traveling with the kids. People ask us all the time how that happened because we weren't exactly known as camping folks prior to welcoming our twins into this world. So we decided to dedicate this very first episode of our podcast to that very first season of camping and talk about exactly how it all happened and how we ended up part of the RVing world. I think initially, Stephanie and I knew that we loved taking road trips. And since we were dating, we took long road trips to New Orleans or Cape Hatteras, wherever it might be. And we wanted to continue doing that with the boys, right? Yeah, I think the first summer, we weren't initially planning anything. The boys were like a couple months old and we were sort of sitting around and thinking that that's what you were supposed to do with babies. And we were um, like, this can't be true. We have to go somewhere. We go somewhere every single summer. We love traveling. And uh, we just decided in a minute we were going to go on a road trip with them. And we did. And we threw them in the car <laughs> and we drove to Asheville, North Carolina. Which... It was a 12 hour drive. 12 hours with the boys, it would normally well, take more, 10. Yeah, more than that. I think it probably took us more than 12 hours and with I, them. I would say they cried almost the entire way there. Yeah, they didn't stop. And so in the end, we did feel like we were happy that we did that. And we kept traveling that summer and through the fall. We did take road trips. We did realize we just need to get in the car and go like we always had. But that, but, was, that was also, that was a trip to see... Steffi's parents and that's not a trip we can take all the time and we wanted to be able to travel regularly and I think we quickly realized that staying in hotel rooms with one-year-old twin boys was not an option was not fun was not cost effective was not something that we wanted to do right like the whole idea of getting of driving somewhere and getting out of the car and going into a hotel and like having to deal with babies in another environment that was so unbaby friendly. It was like horrifying to us. And then on top of that, we've never been big flyers anyway. We've always loved driving places. And so then the idea of getting on a plane with kids was also horrifying. Like basically we looked at each other and figured like, we want to do this. 
but we want to do it so that it's fun for us and not this big old chore. And somehow we came up with the idea that a pop-up camper was the answer to all of our problems. Well, we, we had gone on some camping trips when we were dating and Stephanie's parents too. And Stephanie's parents on um, one of them borrowed a pop-up. And so I think it was always somewhere lodged in the back of our minds. That this might be a fun way to travel. But for the first 10 years of our marriage, the thought didn't really come back very much. But then once the boys were one and we wanted to get on the road, that idea really sort of came uh, racing back to us. Like, let's buy this. Let's buy a pop-up camper. Let's look into this. Right. And and a little more backstory is we had said from almost the first year of our marriage that we were going to celebrate our 10th anniversary by going to Ireland because that was where we had our honeymoon. Or Glacier National Park. Or Glacier National Park. We weren't quite sure which one. But we, you know, big trip. We were going to go. We had purchased the maps already. Right. And then all of a sudden we had babies for our 10th anniversary. And we were very excited about that. However, the big travel plans did not pan out. And we decided to, we decided that we would take the money that we would have spent on. Which was, you know, a couple thousand dollars. We thought, let's go buy a pop-up camper instead. Right. Right. And so I remember we went to Stone's Camping World in South Jersey thinking we're going to buy a camper for a couple thousand dollars. I think we probably thought 5000 right? At the, at the most. And then quickly realized that was not really how much a new pop-up camper cost. And uh, quickly we were looking at ten, twelve thousand $12,000 pop-up campers. Right. And every feature seemed like awesome in the newer pop-ups. Like it just seemed like we would be traveling in luxury if we bought those newer pop-ups. And the, and the used ones, we didn't know what we were doing. So we felt really nervous. Yeah, we wanted a warranty. And Stephanie didn't want to sleep in a bed that someone else had slept in before. So. I don't know that I really said that. You didn't say that, but we I don't know think that you I thought said that. that. No, well, you I hate don't... sleeping in hotels for that very reason that you don't <laughs> yeah, want to sleep but... in a bed someone else has slept in. So that was a huge part of the attraction. Was, I don't know. I don't know getting, if that's getting a fact. Ones. Right. Absolutely a fact. Well, so we were quickly looking at new like pop up campers. Ones. We were looking at ten to twelve thousand dollar pop up campers, right. um, which was, I, I guess, a little surprising. But then we found out that you could have a, a twelve year RV loan, and all of a sudden, uh, that monthly payment was like a cable bill. Right. And it, and it sort of too felt like probably what people do with timeshares or anything like that. It felt like a way that we could sort of make a smaller payment and have a very reasonable, comfortable way to always throughout the year, be able to travel with our kids. So we did it. Um, and we bought our first pop-up camper in May of 2010. For our 10th anniversary. For our 10th anniversary. And quickly became hooked in the RV lifestyle. That pop-up camper gave us all kinds of trouble, which maybe we'll talk about in a future show. But it got us hooked into the lifestyle and made us really realize that this was how we wanted to travel with our children. It was an affordable way to travel with our children. And we could spend a lot of time on the road with them. And we, we, we fell in love. We really did. Thank you so much for joining us for the 10th anniversary season of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. 
And if you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And make sure to pick up copies of Where Should We Camp Next, wherever books are sold. And we will see you at the campground.